Welcome to Two Peas on the Pod podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm here with Dylan Pease here. He's our baseball expert in regard to these things. Uh, just going to be a podcast where we talk about a lot of baseball. We're going to dive into a lot of the offseason stuff right now. And then once the season starts, we'll be able to look at teams around the league and see how everyone's doing, give our input on how everything's looking around the league. So, biggest news today, of course, Shohei Otani. Well, too. Thanks for asking. Oh. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. Glad you're doing okay. Biggest news of the day. Shohei Otani, 10 years, 700 million to the Dodgers. What are we thinking? What are we thinking? Uh, this was a disaster. This is a huge overpay, um, in my opinion. The Even if you split the contract in half and say that he's getting $350 million to pitch and $350 million to hit, that's still a ridiculous overpay. I'm sorry. He's been hurt. And these contracts don't work out. Like, I mean, just right off the top of my head comes to mind, like Chris Davis, Miguel Cabrera. It, it just, like, the Dodgers are going to have, they already sell out their stadium every home game on the season. So there's really, it's not going to be an issue with money, but I, I just don't see how this leads to winning a World Series. Like, he's not even going to pitch next year. Their rotation is still not good. And, and you win in the playoffs with starting pitching, as we saw with uh, Bruce Bochy's Texas Rangers last year. So I don't think that Walker Bueller off of Tommy John and maybe Clayton Kershaw is going to result in anything past the NLDS again next year. Yeah, they have a pretty young rotation. I agree with that. I think there's, I don't think they're done yet at all. I think their next goal, they're going to try to go get Yamamoto. That's, I think, priority 1B now. They got 1A in Otani. If they go get Yamamoto, I mean, their rotation looks a whole lot better than it did before. That's fine. The mix, but. If they go get Yamamoto, then it's looking a little bit better. But still, you know, they're pretty much looking at a five-year window, I think, because of the contract. Like, they're putting a lot of money at the end. So, like, they've got about five years to start winning World Series before the money really starts eating themselves up. And I just, but that division too, I mean, you know, the Diamondbacks obviously came back and we'll talk about them later with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, but I think the Giants will be good with Bob Melvin. And then you got the Padres who, I mean, I, I like Schilt a lot too. So I think they're going to bounce back. So, you know, the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs just like every, just like they do every other year. But I, I don't know, this doesn't give me the, the, Nice puzzle piece that they need to to get past any of those other teams, I think. Yeah, I think I also don't think they're done pitching wise because I mean, if even if they swing miss on Yamamoto, you know, Dylan sees big market for him right now. I think he's on the move for sure, but I think the Dodgers are like they're not done on the pitching side. They know they know they need to definitely improve their rotation, probably their bullpen a little bit too, if they want to have any chance. How many World Series, you said five-year window, right? How many World Series do you think they need to win in that five-year window in order to call it a successful sign? Uh, two. Two? That's, I mean, you're the Dodgers. Like, they've won one World Series in the last, what, 30 years, and you've got, like, that was the COVID-shortened World Series. You're going to put all this money in there. Like you said, you got Betts in the lineup. you got Freeman. you got Otani. Like, I suppose you can classify one as – you have to win one at least. I think two, you can probably say that, you know, it was worth it. One is going to be looked at as a disappointment. 
I don't think they're going to win two based off of, especially with the new playoff system and how random it's been, but you have to win two. I agree. I, one just doesn't, isn't enough. However, I think they're making, a, they're going to be making a ton of money overseas now. I think this is not only a big signing, like whoever was going to get Otani, I mean, Dodger Otani jerseys now in Japan, China, the Koreas are going to be flying off the shelves now. And that's a whole new market that, I mean, I don't think baseball has really tapped into quite yet. I thought baseball's done a good job tapping into like Dominican Republic and the, that kind of area. But I mean, overseas in Asia, I think it's just, Otani's been really big for the league marketing over there. So I think this is, I thought that's where he was going to go in the first place. And I think it's the spot he should have gone for just pure economics. That's fair, but if this is about winning World Series is, and that's what I'm looking at it from that standpoint. You know, that that's what I'm talking about. Like, of course, he's going to make you money anywhere. It, now, yeah. once again, like the Dodgers sell out every home game anyway. So it's not, they're not making their money off tickets. They'll be making it off of other stuff. And yes, like the money they'll, they're paying Otani, they're going to make ba- back based off of like the jersey sales and stuff like that. So it's not that, it's not that this was a bad, like they overpaid per se, even though I think they did in terms of a baseball standpoint, if they're willing to spend so much money that with, or not counting Otani, then I, I guess then their team will be better. Maybe they'll win more world series, but I'm saying if they had a certain amount of money to give and they gave this money to Otani, that as from a baseball standpoint, I don't think is moving the needle enough to win you a world series. I agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see like more of the contract breakdown as well, because I know, like you said, they backloaded a ton of money and I think they're still going to be under the tax. So, I mean, they still have money to spend, which is crazy to me to think that the Dodgers can go out and sign a Yamamoto and be fine still, which is kind of the state baseball's in right now. And it's not good for teams like mine where, you know, the White Sox owner just doesn't like to spend money. So I kind of get bit in the butt there, but I'm interested to see more breakdowns come out to see like, how little Otani's actually going to be making these first few years and then how much he's going to be making the back end of that contract. Yeah, well, and also, let me just throw this in there because this irritates the heck out of me, but uh, Otani said that it was going to be held against teams to if they spoke publicly about contracts, and Dave Roberts clearly did, and then he still went there. So, you know... I'm not a big Shohei fan in the first place. Like I like him as a player, but for him to do something like that, and then obviously that means nothing. Then you add in the fact that he is, he, he's just kind of a quiet guy. And, you know, he talked about in the contract about, oh, well, we, we're going to backload a bunch of this money because I want to win. It's like, okay, you're making $700 million. You couldn't have taken $600 million. Like, don't tell me you want to win and then take $700 million from a team. I'm sorry. I'm just like, it's, it's hard. You can say that, but that's not what I, what you actually mean. Like you want to win while making your money and that's what everybody wants to do, but don't act like that. Oh, I'm doing them this favor by backloading a whole bunch of this money. So after the window is over, they're going to end up having to pay you a whole bunch of money when, and, and you're probably not going to be in contention at that point. So, yeah, I, I don't know about that from Otani. I just thought it was, it didn't make any sense. I'm interested to see what the second highest bidder came in at because I heard that that 700 million was close. Yeah, 700 million had to have blown contracts out of the water. And I mean, I thought Toronto put up a pretty big 
pretty big push there for him to be able to be a face of a country, you know, in the US. There's I'm sure that's what their pitch was in Canada and Toronto was just being like, you you're our whole country here in a baseball standpoint and the US he's competing with other sports and then LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes and they're always gonna be more popular than the biggest baseball name in the in the US, at least for sure. So We'll get into the next one. Aaron Nola resigned for seven years, about 172 million with the Phillies. I'd heard a lot of things that he was going to get some pretty good money elsewhere. That one kind of surprised me a little bit that he decided to stay in Philadelphia. What do you think? I think this is a great deal for the Phillies. I think that, first of all, I don't think it's it's obviously he took less money to come back to the Phillies. So I, I think in in their terms, like this is good for both sides. I also think the Phillies are a type of team like with the culture that they have put together, like. I think it's important to keep a guy like Nola rather than going and getting a Blake Snell, who, you know, maybe is a little bit better of a pitcher that people think. But I think it's important to keep the same guys together for the Phillies because I think that part of the reason that they do win is because of the attitude that they have in the clubhouse. And Nola's also, you know, I mean, I, I said it already, but you need starting pitching to win. And when you give the, the ball to Nola, everybody's confident that he's going to go at least six innings. And he's going to put you in position to win the game. So I think this was a great signing. Yeah, I still think that they need they need one more pitcher there in Philadelphia. They have Noah. They have um, Zach Wheeler there, too. I think that's a great one-two punch. I think they're still looking for those third and fourth guys to really be able to step up and take the ball in the playoffs. And that's what's going to be that pushes them into that World Series window, I think, if they really want to take that next step forward. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think the Phillies are done either, but just – I think this needed to happen. If they, if they didn't get Nola back and they didn't replace him with anybody else, like I, I think it takes him out of the contention window. So this needed to happen for them and for them to get it done. Like I think this was a great deal for them. Yeah, they got it done early too. They didn't put any second casting to it. I think both sides kind of knew. I think Nola wanted to go back to Philadelphia and I think the Phillies wanted him to stay there and they were able to work out a deal pretty early. And Nola really didn't even test the waters in free agency. I think he was pretty, pretty solid coming back to Philadelphia and he was just all in pretty early on there. Lance Lynn, one year, $11 million contract with a 10 million team option in year two to the Cardinals. I don't know about this one. I I watched Lance Lynn on the White Sox last year before he got traded and man, he he's going to need to turn something around in the offseason for that contract to be worth anything. The Cardinals are a joke. Uh, they've been a joke since Tony LaRusso retired. Um, I, I don't even know what they're doing here. Like, what I do like is they seem to finally have made a, an effort to, to bring in some veterans to change the clubhouse because that organization has completely changed from one of the premier baseball organizations to uh, the nerd hut where we're just going to look at numbers and nothing else and it's Ali Marmel and it's just a joke. So, like, Sonny Gray got overpaid. He's a five-inning guy. You got Kyle Gibson. He's a guy. And and Lance Lynn got overpaid. So none of these guys are going to perform to their contracts, I suppose, if they're going to be good locker room presences. Like, I know Lynn is a good locker room guy from watching the White Sox. So, you know, if he's going to help – with the development of some of their younger starting pitchers, I think that you can make a case for them to, to make this signing, but 
purely based off of performance, this is a complete overpay. Yeah, that one surprised me a little bit too, especially considering how early it got done. Lance Lynn, when you think about like veteran signings, normally they take place a little bit closer to spring training. You're trying to kind of shore up what you have. Like this is your core. Almost seems like they're hiring. They signed him to pitch some pretty big innings for them this year. I mean, like you said, though, with the veteran leadership, ever since you know Yadier Molina retires and then Adam Adam Wainwright retires after this last year, now you're right. I mean, they have no no leadership at all outside of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who just don't seem to be like the best locker room leaders that we've seen recently, just because, I mean, their locker room's a joke. Well, and the other thing with Lynn, too, is that, you know, he is going to give you innings. He, he, he rarely gets hurt. So, like, but if you're looking to contend, you're not looking for yeah. just guys who are going to eat innings. You need guys to perform for you, and you need a guy at the front of the rotation. I mean, Gray is a number two. They're going to be using him as a number one, but you can't expect Lynn to be anything more than number five who's going to eat innings up for you, and he's currently slotted in as probably their three, and that's – well, the Dodgers had him as their three last year, and that ended up going well for them. So, Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that the, the Cardinals are in a tough spot. We'll get we'll get to more of that later, but who, they don't really have a clear path of what they want to do in their future. This one surprised me too. Reynaldo Lopez getting three – Three years, thirty million from the Braves. You know, I watched him pitch. Another guy I watched pitch in Chicago a lot, and I mean, he's a solid back end reliever at times. And then there's times where it just seems like he forgets how to pitch. I couldn't believe he got thirty million dollars from a team, especially from a team like the Braves, who are going to need like big innings from back end relievers. Yeah, uh, I thought that they were going to make him a starting pitcher. If they do then this is probably fine. If they're going to keep him in the bullpen, I, I think that you'd never put, pay a bullpen arm this much money, especially if he's not going to be your closer. So I like Lopez. I think he's a really good bullpen arm for a team. And if they're going to make him a starter, though I don't really think his repertoire allows him to be a good starting pitcher, like maybe an opener, but I don't know. I mean, this is probably a little bit of an overpay, but when you're the Braves, you kind of got to trust them a little bit too. If they're going to make a decision to move them to the rotation and it works, then you got a pretty good bargain for you. So, Yeah, I agree. It completely stems on how well they can either develop Bernal Lopez even further and make him a new starting pitcher. You know, like you said, you kind of have to trust these premier organizations like the Braves, the Dodgers, teams like that, that they know what they're doing with their money. They don't normally make egregious signings that are like, how, why in the world would you sign this guy? They, they normally sign guys that if they see something they can fix, they try to fix it. And if it doesn't, they at least you always see a difference between a guy before they get there and after they get there. But I mean, I watched Renelo Lopez try to start a few games, and like you said, his repertoire just doesn't isn't meant for a starting pitcher. I mean, he, he when came he up as a starting pitcher, didn't he? He came up as a starter, and he was god awful. So he we got him. The White Sox got him in the um, Adam Eaton trade with Lucas Giolito, and both of them started awful they were not good at all but now lopez was i think they dfa'd him at one point and then he they signed him back to like a one-year deal and that's when he kind of became the bullpen arm and like a prove it type of thing and then you know he looked really good in the bullpen ethan Katz did a good job with him there was also some things he needed lasik he couldn't really see which blows my mind that it takes you that long into your mlb career to realize that you can't see what you're doing but i mean if I just don't know about him as a starter. 
when he's up to 98 to 100 out of the bullpen, he's great. His fastball has a ton of life. He has a really good slider. Just sometimes that one of those pitches are gone. Now you're a one-pitch starting pitcher. It's like, I don't know. I don't know about that for him to be moved into the rotation. Then we have the next big signing. We have Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez, who got four years, $80 million from the Diamondbacks. This is a good deal. Maybe a little bit of an overpay, maybe, but the Diamondbacks needed another starting pitcher because if I have to watch a bullpen game in a World Series again, I'm going to pull my hair out. And Rodriguez is the perfect type of pitcher for them. He's more of a pitch-to-contact type guy, but they got a big ballpark out there. They got a good defense out there in the outfield. They needed a left-handed pitcher because they got two good righties and Gallon and um, Kelly. So I, this is perfect. A-plus signing there for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I'm really liking the Diamondbacks rotation now. They have – also forget Brandon Paft, who gave him real big innings in the playoffs. That's a guy who continues to develop. Now you have four legit starting pitchers, which is – Hard to come by in today's MLB. You know, you look around, you can only find two or three really good ones. And then, you know, the other one, four and five are kind of just guys that you hope can get through, get through starts. And worst case, you can use your bullpen there. But I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez, I got into a guy on Twitter because he was mad that the the White Sox didn't sign him for that. But it just doesn't make sense for the White Sox to even consider to sign him at a four year, $80 million deal when he's 30. But I think for the Diamondbacks window, this is perfect. Like, this is almost like, they're signing a veteran to help out a young team, young, pretty young all around. Pitching staff's a little bit up there in age, but they need to learn how to win. Eduardo Rodriguez isn't a guy that necessarily knows how to win, but he's been around the league a while. He's going to well, help them. Say that they need to learn how to win. They were in the World Series last year. Did they win the World Series? No, but they got to the World Series, and to me, that classifies them as they can win it. So, they can yes, definitely it's a good, win it. he's a good veteran. But let's not act like they don't know how to win. That's some pretty winning baseball that they play over there. I mean, it worked in the playoffs, but they didn't win the NL West. Now with NL West with Otani in it too, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. I think they they need to come out and start the year high. I think if they start slow, they're going to get lost in that NL kind of shuffle there. So I think they need to start high. Then you get out of the gates quick and put some wins together early and kind of put the pressure on the Dodgers. All right, now we went through some free agency. Let's let's get into a little bit of the trade talks. First, first trade of the offseason was the Braves. They got Aaron Bummer, and the White Sox got Michael Soraka, Braden Shoemake, Nicky Lopez, Jared Schuster, and Riley Goins. What do you think? Well, I like Bummer, and he was a huge bummer for the White Sox. So, But I've always liked his stuff, so my – Initial thought is that he's going to go to the Braves and he's probably going to end up being the setup man and being a really good pitcher for them because that's just what getting out of Chicago will do to people. But uh, for the so I, I like it for the Braves, you know, he is maybe making a little too much money, but you know, they got money to spend. So, in terms of the White Sox, like I, I like this deal for Chris Getz because. Uh, first of all, it's a it's a nice flyer on a guy in Soroka who at one point was a pretty good pitcher, and the White Sox have the opportunity to give him actual innings and a lot of innings and work through things and maybe work his way back to being what he used to be, and then building up the farm system that's not very good. And then, and I think that this is probably the most crucial part of this trade is that 
Pedro Grafal and his Kansas City roots needed Nicky Lopez to come over and develop that Kansas City Royals culture that he's been looking for. So I think that was probably the most crucial part. Nicky Lopez, you know, former former Kansas City Royal and from Naperville. You know, that Grafal is a huge guy who just wants to recreate the Royals. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing I, like I want to hear when I'm thinking about my team and I think recreate the Royals. I mean, that's just perfect when I'm looking at a, at a model franchise that I want to follow. But, yeah, I agree. This is pretty much a win-win trade, I think, for both sides. Um, Aaron Bummer was never going to be good on the south side because he's a very pitch-to-contact guy. He got a lot of weak ground balls, and most of the time they were too weak. The White Sox defense was so bad that the infield singles just nipped him in the butt constantly. So, I mean, to go out and get a lot of five players in this deal, I thought was pretty important. You know, like you said with Mike Sorelka, I think that's a good good situation for him to try to turn something around. You know, the White Sox need pitching because they have about no one in their rotation right now. So they get a they get a pitcher there who's excited to come in here and get to work. And I think Ethan Katz will be able to help him with some things as well. And then Nicky Lopez, I'll, all jokes outside about Kansas City, the White Sox, need to get better defensively that's something that nicky lopez will be able to do immediately he'll be able to step in there with his glove and immediately be able to you know at least make some plays and help their pitchers out which i think is important if they're going to have some of their younger pitchers come up for the white Sox. they need to have good defense behind them and hopefully they can make help the pitchers out and let make their numbers look a little bit better so nicky lopez and paul de young up the middle is uh, i mean what up what more can you ask for from a middle infield <laughs> So you get with Merrifield. But. Yeah, I think Jared Schuster as well here. He's, I mean, he's going to be a guy who's going to get an opportunity. He's been more of a 4A pitcher for the Braves. But on the White Sox, once again, he's going to be a guy that you can throw into that rotation. And he's going to he's gonna at least get a shot. You know, I don't mind the White Sox taking guys that they're looking at and at least giving them shots on what they can do, you know? Yeah, I agree. Then the Diamondbacks get their third baseman in, Eugenio Suarez. And the Mariners get Zevi Zavala and Carlos Vargas. Um, I'm not a, a Eugenio Suarez guy. He's the class of nerd player where he'll hit about 220 and hit 30 home runs. And I don't think that's a winning player. He's fine for the Diamondbacks. He's probably an upgrade over Longoria, although I don't think that Suarez will be dropping down a bunt base hit like Longoria did in the World Series. So, But if you're going to... I mean, he's probably an upgrade overall. If you want to hit him seven or eight in the order and he'll hit you 30 home runs, it's probably a, probably good. And to be completely honest with you, any player who plays for the Mariners in their awful hitting department, like maybe he'll end up improving with the Diamondbacks because anybody who hits for the Mariners instantly goes somewhere else and hits better. So, Yeah, I think this is also a sal- like a, just a salary dump kind of thing. Because, I mean, getting Zevi Zavala and Carlos Vargas in return, those aren't guys that are going to really help you win. Zevi Zavala is a backup catcher who can't hit, and he's okay with pitchers. Like, I mean, he's nothing impressive. He's going to be a backup catcher there. And, I mean, if you really wanted a backup catcher that bad, didn't want to sign anyone, I guess that's fine. But now that kind of leaves a hole at third base for the Mariners. So, I think I don't think they're done at all. I think they have a lot. I think they definitely have something up their sleeve, and that brings us to the next trade that they made where – they traded Jared Kelenic, Evan White, and Marco Gonzalez for Jackson Coar and Cole Phillips. Once again, they 
I don't know what they're doing. They have to have something up their sleeve here. There's no way that they're just kind of throwing these guys out, right? Yeah, uh, I'm actually a little concerned about the Mariners because initially the rumors were they were, they were going to go get Soto. Uh, when I listened to Scott's service talk last week, he made it sound like they were pretty much cutting costs in Seattle. And if that's the case, then whatever they did to just give away Jared Kelnick is just laughable. And to make it worse, to send him to the team where anybody who goes there yeah. instantly turns to into an elite hitter. I mean, Kelnick's probably going to hit 40 home runs this year if he plays every day. I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, former five five-tool top prospect you just gave away for nothing off of a career year makes no sense to me you you add in i mean gonzalez is a salary dump too but you know he's a guy who will give somebody innings i just can't believe i cannot believe that you just gave away kelnick's the main piece the other two guys whatever but i i'm gonna have to see it with the mariners if they don't do anything that then this organization's a joke yeah once again i didn't really understand what they're doing there. It just it just makes no sense. Like you said, if they're cutting costs, then that just stinks. Because I think outside of the Rangers, the AL West is I think the Astros are kind of starting a little bit of a decline here. Their farm system's not great. Their their guys are getting a little bit older. You know, you heard some things about Bregman potentially getting moved this offseason. And it like I mean, that second spot, you can definitely get a wild card in the AL. Except now the AL East is vaunted. But outside of that, I mean AL Central stinks. AL West is pretty bad outside of the Rangers, I would say. So then the big the big trade, Yankees receive Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. The Padres receive Kyle Higashioka. Higashioka. Michael King, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Drew Thorpe. That that was a big trade for the Yankees, and they are going pretty much all in on Juan Soto here. Uh, I I like this trade for the Yankees, and I think the Yankees have made a lot of poor decisions over the last couple of years, mainly the Joey Gallo and Stanton stuff. But Soto, I think, is perfect for Yankee Stadium. Now, with Otani out of the American League, there's a good chance, in my opinion, Soto might win an MVP at some point for the Yankees. You know, you got to give up good players to get to get good players. I, I also really like Grisham too. Like, it'll be interesting to see between Soto and Grisham and then you got Verdugo out there along with Judge and then Dominguez is going to be coming back how they're going to end up shuffling through innings there I know that Grisham's going to be the fourth outfielder but I got to be honest I don't like playing Aaron Judge in center field for a whole season so I would like to see Grisham getting the, the bulk of those innings in center field and then you're just splitting time throughout the rest using the DH but I think this is a great trade, especially if the Yankees can. I mean, I'm assuming that the Yankees are going to sign into an extension. If they they don't sign into an extension, that this is a terrible trade. But yeah, I 100% think that this is this is the guy they needed. That all right-handed bat lineup. To to and Grisham too is a throw-in, but he's a good left-handed hitter. Not good left-handed hitter, but he's a left-handed player who can play. But Soto is a guy who can hit in the middle of the order at Yankee Stadium. Left-handed guy. He's going to bring a little bit more winning juice, a guy who's won a World Series, something the Yankees need. They need that winning mentality back. So I, I really like this. I'm a little worried. You know, I heard Cashman talk the other day and said they did not have an extension in, in place for Juan Soto. I think that they're kind of 
betting on the fact that they can convince him to stay throughout the season. And I agree that it, this trade more depends on the fact if he does resign in New York, looks great. If this is a one-year rental, now all of a sudden you're like, what are, was this really worth it to give up all those guys? And it also depends how they do during the year. I mean, if they're AL East is AL East is good. They still have to deal with Baltimore, who won the division last year. Tampa Bay is always going to be up there somehow. The Red Sox seem to be trying to put something together to win a little bit, even though I don't really understand what they're doing still. And then Toronto, once again, has good players. I mean, they're going to be middle of the road in that division and probably still be above 500. So it all depends on how the Yankees do throughout the year, along with if they can resign Juan Soto. Yeah, I mean, I heard that he he is going to love New York. He wanted to be in New York, so unless he wants to be a Met next year, I don't really seem to think that something's not going to get done. I, I'm i also a little worried now that I think he sees that Otani contract. Because remember, a few years ago, he was... He turned. I think he turned down three hundred million because he was looking for more. So I'd be, I'd be a little skeptical too that he sees Otani get such a big contract that his eyes are going to get a little bit big, and maybe he asked for just a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Well, nobody's going to be getting what Otani gets because he, he doesn't pitch too. So definitely. But I, I just don't know. I, Juan Soto. I think he's so weird to me as a player. He gets on base a ton, but then there's some games that I watch him where. I question the Juan Soto that I've been told is going to be the best player in baseball soon. It's just like, I don't see it sometimes. So well, I'd be interested to see how he does in New York. Well, I, I do think it's important too, to understand that he gets better as the games get more important. Yeah. So, you know, I think the Yankees need that, especially when they get to the playoffs, they've had a lot of playoff meltdowns over the years. So I, I think, I don't want to call him Jeter because he's not Jeter. But they need somebody to come in there and, and instill some type of juice because they're just kind of the boring Yankees the last five, six years with expectations, but th- really no justifiable reason for those expectations. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into our next thing here we have. Rebuild, retool, and contend. We're going to go through the NL Central here. What do you have for the Cardinals? Rebuild, retool, or contend with them? I think they need to rebuild. I I think that whatever they're doing is ruining, well, it's already ruined their organization. They don't play good baseball anymore. They're not a good defensive team. Uh, Molina's gone, so they don't have a catcher who can run a pitching staff. They pretty much used to have, they used to be built on starting pitching, and they now have a senior living facility of starting pitchers. And I I don't think, I mean, yeah, you're going to pay Goldschmidt and pay Arenado, and they're going to both put up good numbers, but they are not going to put together a good enough baseball team to do anything other than maybe, maybe win a, if all the things go right, win a bad NL Central. But I, I don't see that happening either. Yeah, I agree here. I think it's time for them to rebuild as well. I think they have a pretty, they've been, they have some upside in their farm system. I think now is the perfect time to trade off some of those pieces in the Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. I don't think they will because they just went outside in Sonny Gray. They get Lance Lynn. Like they're still trying to contend. But you know, you look at this, they have they have some prospects coming up that I think have pretty good potential. Now's the time to kind of sell off your older stars and look towards that next wait next window without calling it a retool. Like you have 
you have a chance to turn your farm system in one of the, into one of the better ones in baseball. And instead, they're going to be content with a bottom tier farm system. That's not the worst in baseball, but it's nowhere near middle of the road. And then I think it's going to, I think it's going to come back and hurt them in a few years. Next up, let's do the Cubs. Ah. Uh, uh, I, th I think the Cubs are contending, unfortunately, because I am a Brewers fan. But, I mean, last year, obviously, with the disappointing end of the season, you hire Craig Council. I don't think Council's going to the Cubs. Okay, I shouldn't say. I'm sure that was a largely monetary decision on his part, but I also think that he probably got some assurances that the Cubs were going to spend some money. They need to go get some starting pitching, but I think that they have the lineup that they want. And I think that I'm not a big council guy, but the one thing council did do was he made the most out of his bullpen every year. So David Ross was awful with the bullpen. Council is a good bullpen guy. So if he can get some guys to eat some innings in the starting rotation, I think they're contending. I I also agree. I also don't like the Cubs at all, but I would have to put them in the contending window. I disagree, though, with their lineup. I think, you know, they're losing Bollinger here in free agency. I think they need to go get another bat here. Like, their offense was pretty reliant on Bellinger last year. He played a really big role. They need to get another guy, I think, to go swing, whether that be through trade or free agency. They have a top-five farm system in baseball as well. Like, they're definitely in a good spot where they're going to be able to have that flexibility to go get a star if one comes on the market, whether it's trade or whether it is through free agency, especially with the Ricketts willing to spend here. One, I also agree that Council, I don't think Council's a needle, movie for, needle mover for me. I think he's, with Ross, I think they're pretty parallel in terms of managerial decisions. Like you said, Council manages the bullpen better, but I think he also had a lot better arms in the bullpen where they were very like specified of like, this guy's going to get you out in this situation and stuff like that. So then next up we have the Brewers. What do you think? What do you think about your Brewers? Um, I think they're probably in the retool category, unfortunately. I, I think that, well, I think that they probably hit their limit in terms of what they were going to be doing. I think that they were in the contending category for probably five, six years. And it, it pains me because when you have Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta on the rotation, there is no reason that you should not be contending for World Series. Obviously, what happened to Woodruff is extremely unfortunate. I think Burns needs to be gone. Uh, I'm I'm not a big Burns guy because I don't like his. I thought he came up short in the playoffs, but we're not going to pay him. There's no reason to keep him. There's no reason to wait till the deadline to get rid of him. Get rid of him now and get what you can for him. I, I want to get rid of Adamas too. If if you can't get much for him, I'm fine with keeping him till the deadline because I know he's coming off a bad year. But th this is an this is a situation where like you're you're probably going to need to retool for a year. I don't think that people people talk about the Brewers needing to tear it down. I don't think they need to tear it down because most of their young guys are coming up right now. I mean, their lineup last year was a lot of young guys. Freelick and Mitchell in the outfield too. You got Churio coming up, and obviously Yelich is going to be out there. They're they're going to need to shore up the middle infield. But Tyler Black's coming up. He's going to be able to play third base. Contreras a really good catcher. So their lineup is actually probably a year away from being a pretty good lineup. They're going to need to obviously bring up some guys in the in the rotation, but they're not far away. I think they're probably a year off from being back into the contending scenario, but they're in the retool right now. 
Yeah, so this is kind of a tough one for me to put into a, a category because I'm stuck between retool and rebuild. On one end, I look at the retool because you're right. They, I think they could go in the annual central year or so away, but I don't look at them as World Series contenders in a year or so. So that's why I put them in the complete rebuild. I think they need to tear it down, start fresh, and rebuild around those young guys, like you said, that are bringing out the Jackson Cheerio, the Freelix, and the Mitchells out there that are, that are on that are on their starting lineup. They're coming up. I think they tear down everything else around it, start from scratch, and try to build a more sustainable kind of system that they have coming up and just be able to really kind of optimize that window. Because like you said, the Dodgers have a five-year window. Dodgers are going to be on top of the NL for a while. And I don't know if the Brewers have enough pieces to be able to retool and have a good enough farm system to be able to retool like that. I think they're I think they're closer to a rebuild than a retool. They're rebuild. See, and that's I disagree because their their farm system is actually pretty good. And, and so when it the Brewers are a top five organization in Major League Baseball when it comes to developing pitchers. So I agree. So I, the lineup is they're young. You're going to trade Burns. You got Peralta. They're definitely. The starting rotation is going to be the weak spot next year. They brought back Wade Miley, who I think is, I mean, he is a top. He can be a number three pitcher and a good on a good team, because every year the dude just puts up good numbers and gets outs. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Okay, I shouldn't say surprise, but they could def they could make the playoffs this year. I'm not counting on it, but they could. Yeah, I'm just afraid they're going to get stuck in that like meteorite meter the mediocrity window where they're going to be stuck you know maybe they win the NL central here maybe they're a wild card team here but they're never quite in the mediocrity window i mean for ever they haven't other than 2018 they haven't contended for anything i agree that's why that's why i don't know like would you rather have a team that's stuck in that area would you rather have a team that's going to start from scratch be able to go win a world series well you know what they don't spend enough money to ever really put all their chips in anyway. So the only way to actually do this is to be the Rays and take as many bites out of the apple. As much as I hate that philosophy, they don't spend enough money for him to do it any other way. Oh, that's very fair. That's fair to say. What do you think about the Pirates? I think the Pirates Pirates are still in a rebuild. Like They're not going to get out of that for at least probably two or three more years. They're not even quite at that exciting phase yet. They're just kind of meh. Yeah, past. They're pathetic. The ownership's terrible. They're bad. Whatever. Yeah, I, I miss the days when they were when they were flying the Jolly Roger around there during playoff games. That PNC Park looks absolutely electric. That's the spot I want to go to. Yeah, they're terrible. Who cares? <laughs> what do you think about the Reds? The Reds are overrated. Uh, last year they won whatever, what I don't know, 17 games in a row, whatever. They're overrated. They're a bunch of guys who... I don't think play good enough winning baseball. Uh, they're a bunch of stat cast freak show guys who look great on the highlight videos, but they're not going to win you baseball games. They're going to finish in third place or worse again. And that they just signed somebody to Candelario. I don't understand it. I think they have, they have to have something coming up their sleeve. Yeah, well, I, in terms of this exercise, they're probably still in the retool category because I don't think that they, in terms of the lineup, they're probably a year ahead of the Brewers in terms of like 
where everybody is in terms of the lineup. They don't have the pitching staff the Brewers have. And I think Chicago's clearly better than them. I think the Brewers are still better than them. And as bad as I think the Cardinals are, I could see them passing the Reds up to this year just because I think that this is going to be one of those situations where coming off of what was seen as a a good year for the Reds, but they're just going to kind of bring everybody back and hope that they take the next step. And I think that it's going to be a situation that they're not going to take the next step. They're going to be the the so-called White Sox that, you know, they you thought that that young core was going to take the next step and then they kind of took a big dump. So, yeah, I agree kind of with that. I still think they're in the retool that that Candelario thing makes me think that Jonathan India is going to be traded. I think they're ready to move on from him, cut ties. And I think they're still in that retool category where they just don't quite have the depth in their roster to be able to go contend. I think throughout their, their farm system solid. They have a lot of high upside guys. It's going to depend on if those guys pan out, which is you never know in a farm system that's full of high upside guys and not necessarily consistent grind through at bats kind of guys. They have guys that could hit 500 foot home runs, but I don't know if they have guys that are going to go out there and hit 300 and get on base and play good defense. So I think they need to find a way to mix up their their prospects a little bit and find some guys who are more gritty guys who are going to be able to get on base and do some of the dirty work. They do play hard. I'll give them that, especially, you know, I mean, you got they, – they definitely have guys who play hard. They are actually a team who, if they really want to take the next step, I could see them being a team that needed to go get a veteran manager to help teach them how to win. You know, I they would have been a nice spot for Ron Washington. They would be a really nice spot for a Tony Larusa. Tony Larusa is Tony Larusa is closer to death than he is to being able to manage baseball. Just, just making the point there. You know, Bochy did, did it obviously with the Rangers. If they want to take the next step as a team, I think that that would be a smart decision to make. I think they're gonna. They're not gonna cut ties with their manager now. They're gonna keep him for at least another year. I think. Well, of course just not. I'm just saying, if they were smart, they would. That's fair, but I think, like you said, they're gonna give it one more year for sure. We're gonna see what they have in their, in their team now. They're gonna let it ride, and when they underperform, they're gonna be looking. And I think they're gonna panic next free agency and next, or even next off season, and just either sell off a lot of their guys, or they're gonna go and try to make a huge splash to fix all their problems. That's fair. All right. That's all we have today. Thank you guys for watching. I'm Patrick. This is Peace. Thank you guys. See ya.